Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, April 11th, 2022. Think back with me to the beginning of the Bible. Uh, you know, we think of Adam and Eve, the creation, the fall, the flood. But once you get past a lot of those initial events, you get to the figure of Abraham. And as you think about Abraham, and as you think about what God did for him, you start thinking about the promises of God, specifically the problem, the promises of God to Abraham and the promises of God to uh, the Jewish people. And you think of the promise of land. And you think even of uh, the, the guarantee that God gives pretty early on that the people are going to go be in a foreign nation. They're going to be in Egypt for 400 years, but then they're going to be given this land and they're going to become a great nation. Well, as we start to wrap up the book of Joshua, you know what we're going to see about God? He does what he says. He does what he says. And going all the way back to Abraham, now we're seeing, at this point, promises that are hundreds of years old be fulfilled uh, as God works through his people. And we'll see that today as we look at Joshua 22 through 20, or sorry, Joshua 20 through 22. And as we look at this, chapter 20 talks about the cities of refuge. We've seen this in the law, that there were going to be cities set aside so somebody guilty of manslaughter as opposed to murder could flee there and not be put to death by the avenger of the blood. And now they pick out which cities those are going to be. Then we see in chapter 21 that they choose which cities they're going to give to the Levites. Remember, the Levites had no geographic inheritance they, they didn't get a part of the land. Their inheritance was serving the Lord through the sacrifices, through the temple, through the religious system. However, they did need cities to live in, so they are given those cities. But notice how this chapter ends. In verse 24, or 44, it says, And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers, not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. God did everything he said he was going to do. Look at verse 45 again. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed, all came to pass. God did what he said, and he kept his promises. Now, as we consider the faithfulness of a God who keeps his promises, let's consider uh, the response that we should have. And we see a little bit more of this in chapter 22. In light of the conquest, is in, in large part completed. God has kept his promises. Now the eastern tribes, remember there were two and a half tribes that said, hey, we want to live on the other side of the Jordan. And God had 
said, okay, you need to come and help with the conquest, but when that's done, you can go back and you can live there. And now Joshua says to them, hey, you've done what you have said. You haven't forsaken it. You know, you can go home. But now um, listen to really what he commands them to do in chapter 22, verse 5. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went to their tents. And so as we see what God tells them to do, let's let's consider ourselves for a moment. We are not completing the conquest of the promised land, but we can look at God and say, he does what he says. And we can look at the promises he's made to us and we can say, you know what? He's kept every one, not one word of the good promises I see in scripture that God has made to me as a believer has failed. All that God has said has come to pass or the ones that are yet to be fulfilled, I can trust they will come to pass because God does what he says. That needs to be one of the bedrock convictions of each Christian. I am living my life on this firm foundation that God does what he says, always has, always will. He does what he says. And based on that, I want to live my life differently. And that's where we can look at every part of verse five and say, this is what I want to do. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. We should seek to to keep the law of God. And that's where, yes, we realize, okay, not all the ceremonial portions for the nation of Israel, but at the core, what we see there, while it cannot bring us salvation, is the heart of what God wants for us as his people. He wants us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. He wants us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And these are good commandments that God has given us. We should seek to keep them in light of how faithful he has been. We need to love the Lord, your God. Shouldn't shouldn't his faithfulness evoke a response and even an emotion of love from us? God wants our hearts, and he has done so much to win our hearts with his track record of faithfulness. And not only that, it says to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cling to him. I love that idea that it's not just, oh, I need to do, oh, I need to do what God says. It's no, I love the Lord. I'm clinging to him. I'm holding on to God. I'm holding on to his faithfulness. I'm holding on to his promises. And as I do that, I want to keep his commands and I want to serve him with all my heart and with all my soul. This should be the cry of our hearts. And we should see how they go together. Because God is faithful, there's so much in this life that we don't need to worry about. We we know God is going to keep his promises. So we can give that extra attention to, and I want to cling to God, I want to love him, and I want to do what he says. And we can rejoice in that. It reminds me of Matthew 6, where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. And we can say, you know what? 
God's going to keep all his promises. God's going to take care of me. So I want to seek first him and his righteousness. I want to cling to him. I want to love him. I want to keep his law carefully, his commandments. I want to serve him with everything that I've got because he does what he says. And so I hope just that vision of God's faithfulness in Joshua and even these instructions just strike a chord in our own heart that inspire us to follow the Lord. And then we see just this interesting episode where the Eastern tribes build this altar kind of as as a reminder and the rest of the nation is getting ready to go to war uh, when when they find out and actually talk to the Eastern tribes and find out why they did what they did. They go, oh, okay, that makes sense. And I don't know, that sounds like a lot of things maybe I've experienced in my life or a lot of things I've seen in ministry or things maybe you've experienced where you get all intense about something, you start getting ready to go to war, and then you actually talk to the other person to find out why they did what they did, and you say, oh, okay, that makes sense. And so maybe sometimes we should, instead of getting all ready to go to war, we should talk to somebody else first and find out why they did what they did. And maybe we'll avoid some conflict, uh, you know, even just within ourselves, if we kind of look at this interesting example in Joshua chapter 22. But uh, what a great example of the faithfulness of God. And it is a reminder, God is calling us to be faithful. And and as we consider that, let's look at our New Testament portion, Luke 19, 1 through 28 today. And a big part of this is this parable. First thing we see, though, is the familiar story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And because he was so short, right, he climbed up in that sycamore tree because the Lord he wanted to see. But Jesus says, hey, I'm going to your house. And here's a great example. We just saw Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He's seeking and saving Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, who was not a good guy, who was, you know, extorting people, getting more money than he should. And we see a clear example both of just the heart of Jesus for the lost And we also see an example of repentance in Zacchaeus as he clearly turns away from his sin and seeks to make it right. Not that making it right is what earns us our salvation. No, but it is that fruit of repentance uh, that, that shows we have really repented, that shows we really are forgiven and saved. But the next is the the familiar parable of the 10 minus where this king goes away he gives these different you know amounts of money to his servants and and they invest but you see the first two they invest and they get a profit but the third uh, well he doesn't do so well and in fact he kind of hides it in the ground and the one thing that stood out to me was he he comes and he tells him hey he i put it in a handkerchief and and i just kind of buried it because i was afraid of you Because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. And the master says, hey, I'm going to condemn you with your own words. He doesn't agree with them, though. And if you notice, at the beginning of this telling of this story, this king goes away, but the citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to reign over us. And I couldn't help but wondering, as you look at it this way, maybe this one servant started to buy the lie of all the rebels 
in the kingdom. The rebels saying, hey, we don't like this king. We don't want this guy to reign over us. You know, he, he's a bad guy. It never says that those things are true, but it seems that this third servant was clearly listening to those things. That just reminds me, are we listening to the world, the world that wants to talk bad about God, the world that wants to make God seem like he's not the good God that he is? Are we listening to that and starting to believe that in our own hearts? Because that will that will squelch um, you know, our desire to serve if we don't see God as the good God that he is. He is the king, but he is the best king. He is the only king. And we want to trust that he is, and therefore we want to serve him. We don't want to buy the lies of the world about the nature of our king. We want to be faithful to serve him. As we have seen today, just the perfect record of his faithfulness, that he does what he says. And I hope that's encouraged all of our hearts today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.